Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Peyton. Hello, Edwin. Sure good to see you today. Good to see you, too. It's great to see you in that chair. Andrew's away from us for a couple of days. So we're actually going to get a couple of episodes together, a couple of conversations between you and me. Yeah, it's going to be great. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. I learned a lot last week when we got to work together, so I'm looking forward to you dropping some wisdom pearls again today. Well, I appreciate that. If you would please read from your Bible, I think you're in the ESV over there, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 4 through 6. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. Hebrews chapter 13, 4 4 through 6, in the ESV translation. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? As we're wrapping up this letter slash sermon for the Hebrews, he's giving some final directions, some applications. All the way along, we've had... Uh, the overarching principles, this perspective that we have a new covenant that's a better covenant. It's based on better promises. We've got a better priesthood. We've got better sacrifices. And therefore, as he's writing to these Hebrews who had become Christians, who had surrendered to Jesus, through, throughout the majority of this letter, it's been about hang on to Jesus, hang on to Jesus. Don't, don't go back to that old covenant. Don't go back to the law. Now, as we get to the end... He's giving some instructions, some applications. We're not under the law. That doesn't mean there aren't laws we have, that we there aren't legal requirements that he's got for us. And so brotherly love must continue. Andrew and I got to talk about that yesterday, and even connections back to the law about that, because he, he brought up this deal about Abraham and Lot, entertaining angels. And now we have two further instructions. One is about marriage. And one is about money. And I think we're going to see how these two things will tie together as we as we talk about it. But uh, marriage and money, so now that this has been thrown out, what, what are your first thoughts as you're looking at this? Yeah, great question. And one of the things I think is most prominent when I at least think about this section is these are two both hot-button topics. Yeah, amen. <laughs> I mean, right. we're talking about marriage and sexuality even. It mentions the marriage bed. And we're talking about money, something that's, especially for mm-hmm. Americans. Mm-hmm. I think this is a touchy topic. Oh, yeah. And so we're talking about two topics that I think relate to our identity. What do, hmm. what do I mean by that? I don't know. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I'm going to answer. I'm going to tell Please do. So marriage is something where we often, if we're not careful, can put it as a very big aim within itself. Mm. Money is the same thing. Money we can establish as an aim. We know in First Timothy chapter 6 that... Um, Timothy himself, or actually Paul, addresses to Timothy and is telling him about these people who would love money, mm-hmm. who would who would have this problem with it, who direct a lot of attention towards it, and imagine that spirituality, godliness, is about money mm. when it's not. Right, and that's a temptation for us too today. In Luke's back back in Luke chapter fourteen, specifically on this topic of money, he talks about these people um, with this great banquet. He's hosting this great banquet. Pardon me, I said money. I meant about marriage. Oh. He talks about these different people who give these different excuses for the kingdom of God. He's, he's going to recruit people for this mission um, to participate in this great banquet. And these people are giving different excuses. We have this first person who said, well, I've got a field. I can't go. I'm tending to my oxen that I just bought. One of them gives the excuse that he's just married a wife. Yes. 
That's interesting to me. Mm. That back in the Old Testament, that excuse could have been given, and it would have been a legitimate excuse for not going to war. Right. But here in this passage in Luke chapter 14, he says these things shouldn't be ahead of the kingdom. Right. You need right. to be able to be willing to give these up so that you can seek the kingdom first before anything else. That's the point he makes in this parable. Okay. In fact, in Joel, in Joel, um, God is continually calling the people to repentance. And there's certain people in, in society we would expect, they don't have to be involved in that. And yet in Joel, he's calling the married people, even people who've just been married to come and repent to God. I don't want to get lost in the details here, but right. I think what these some of these passages are getting at in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike is that however high marriage is, our commitment to God is higher. Mm. It's something we must place our identity in God, and that's, in fact, the very thing he says in the context of money. Which is a hard thing, because for us, especially in our lives, we often view marriage as the biggest, the most important decision that we make. Mm-hmm. And you're suggesting that there is actually a decision that is that is even greater, that supersedes that, that is more important than the decision of to marry or not to marry and who I'm going to marry. That's exactly what I'm suggesting. And we even get hints of that in other parts in Scripture. When Jesus is having a conversation with, I believe, the Pharisees, he may have—no, it was with the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. He has a conversation with them in um, somewhere in the Gospels. That's okay. <laughs> I would have to look, look up the even story. In, even here in Hebrews, he has to say, somewhere it is written. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so go ahead. But anyway, he has a conversation with, with the Sadducees, and he actually acknowledges, you guys are wrong about this. Yes. People aren't even married in heaven. That That's not what it's about. So even if our eternal resting place, there's not people married— that suggests even something that of the temporary nature of marriage, of the temporary nature of money. Right. Both of these things, again, we have a tendency to put a lot of focus on, a lot of attention to, and they are important. Even the Hebrews writer acknowledges that marriage should be held in honor. There's something good about this here. Money can be a helpful thing. If we're going back to 1 Timothy 6, it can be used to benefit other people. What we're getting at here is... Do I put my identity in this thing? Do I make this my highest aim, my highest purpose? Is this the thing that makes my life what it is? Mm. That's the question we're getting at. Right. So so if I'm... If I just... I'm just trying to figure out how to word this. If my identity comes from whether or not I'm married rather than from God, I've, I've misplaced. I've got misplaced priorities. Mm-hmm. If my identity comes from whether or not, and how much money I have, my identity is coming from the wrong place. Identity is about my relationship with God. My identity is that I am in Jesus Christ, that I have God. And these other things, he may have also blessed me with these other things, but these are gifts from God. They are not gods themselves. Exactly. And I think this is a hard truth, too, because... We're in a position where some of us, we don't have a lot of money. Mm. Some of us do have a lot of money. Some of us don't. The thing about this is it can become a problem for both. And Jesus understood that when he taught back in Matthew chapter 6, that even his disciples, these people would have given away all these things. He says, you inadvertently still place your identity in money when you're being anxious about these things you can't control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even we, even if we don't have a lot of money, if I'm relatively poor, I can still be placing my identity in money because I'm focusing so much on that. Let me build off of that, and then we'll go back to the marriage. Uh, he, what I find fascinating in this passage is he says, don't, don't give in to the love of money. You need to keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. 
for a long time, I just read that sentence. And I thought what he was saying was, however much money you have, be content with that. Uh, If you're poor, be content with that. If you're wealthy, be content with that. However much money you have, be content with that amount of money. And somewhere along the line, I learned the lesson of context and I kept reading and notice that he says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What I have, when he says be content with what you have, it's not be content with the amount of money that we have. It's be content with the fact that we have God. In this covenant, through Jesus Christ, we have God. Great point. And because we have God, we have enough. Mm-hmm. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or I shall not lack. It's the fact that because I have God, I have all that I need. Because I have a great shepherd, he's going to provide all that I need. Whatever it is that he's giving me right now is what I need. If it's a lot, fantastic. Now use it for his glory. If it's a little, fantastic. Use it for his glory. We, we recognize when Paul was writing to the Corinthians that sometimes I get to be the one that has been blessed with extra so I can share with others. Sometimes I'm the one that doesn't have quite enough so that others can share with me. It's, it's this, this reciprocity, this reciprocal nature of our relationship. But again, what I have is God. I think that's why when Paul and Silas are in prison and beaten and in stocks. I think when Paul has gone through the the shipwrecks and the days and nights without food, that's the reason why he can hang on and look forward to salvation and rejoice, because no matter what has been taken away from him, God has not been taken away from him. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so let me see, just make sure I'm understanding you correctly. You're saying that both of these things, marriage and money, but money in particular, as it's calling it out here, it's not because... because, oh, oh, I have enough money, so I'll get along. Right. That's not why. Mm-hmm. So I could, should keep my love, um, life free from love of money. So I shouldn't pursue that so so diligently, I guess. Yeah. But because we have our hope in God. Yes, yes, that's exact. That's precisely it. Backing up to marriage, here, very literally, he says, marriage is honorable mm-hmm. and the bed undefiled. Back in when Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, about verse 3, we know that there were teachers who were, who were forbidding marriage. Uh-huh. So this passage demonstrates marriage is not to be forbidden. Marriage is honorable. And the bed in marriage, sexuality in marriage, is undefiled. So we, we find that sexuality in the confines between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman who have been joined in marriage is a beautiful, wonderful, fantastic thing. But he says those who are sexually immoral and adulterers, those who pursue sex outside of marriage, God is going to judge. There is no honor there. That is not undefiled. That is contemptible and it is condemnable. And so we see these two extremes. The folks who would say, oh, you can't, you should never have sex and so you should never be married. No, it's honorable. It is valuable. It is precious. That's what that word honorable means. Marriage is honorable and valuable and precious. And the bed in marriage is honorable and valuable and precious. We don't push that away. We don't shut that off. We don't cut it off. We don't act like it is somehow dirty. We recognize it is honorable and valuable and precious. But we move outside of marriage 
and it becomes this despicable, contemptible, and condemnable thing God is going to judge. And what we find, when I think about why these two things, marriage and money, are brought together, is because I think we recognize that from the beginning, two things that the devil has used as tools and instruments of temptation, sex and money. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are things that he has latched onto those desires. Neither one of those is wrong. They're both tools. They're both instruments for various aspects, for relationship, for walking through this world. And when they are used properly and kept within their bounds, they are wonderful servants, tools, and instruments. But they make dreadful, terrible masters. Don't give them control. I think that's a great point. I th- I think one of the things this reminds me is about the character of God. Mm. We I think we often maybe confuse or muddy the waters here, but I think it's clear that God is not a cosmic killjoy. No. He's, he's not looking out to take away everything from us. And in fact, that's where the false mat- teachers were mistaken back in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Right. This was a good thing. God created all foods to be received with thanksgiving. It talks about foods there, some other topics that may be um, touchy topics for them. But there's things like that in life that God wants to give to us, Yes, that God is giving to us to bless us, but it's when we take it and make it our aim, when we take it outside of its proper boundaries, when we take marriage outside of its proper boundaries and have sex outside of marriage, when we make money our highest good, both of those things are taking it out of what God designed it to be. We're not relinquishing control to Him for us to use it to serve Him, Mm. but we're using it for our own purposes. That's when it becomes a curse. But God does want to bless us. Yes. So here is a gift, marriage, money. These are gifts that God gives us. We use them for his glory, but we must not allow them to replace the giver. The giver is God. We must not idolize the gifts. What a, what a powerful thing is he teaches these Hebrews, stay away from the idolatry, even the idolatry of marriage and money. Out of time, Peyton, why don't you wrap us up with a prayer? Lord our God, we thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord, for your wisdom and your guidance, Lord, and your gifts to us. Lord, you blessed us with um, some of your people with good marriages, and uh, I'm moving toward one myself, Lord, and I thank you, though, Lord, for these blessings you've given to uh, men on this earth, Lord. Um, Lord, we thank you that you've given us possessions in this land, this free land, to be able to use to your purposes, Lord. We know that these are blessings, things that we can use to your glory, things that we can use to serve other people. And we pray that we can use them in that way, that we won't take them out of their proper bounds, as Esau did back in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 here, that he established this, that he sought after the temporary and was willing to give up something much better, something much better in store. Lord, help us to put our focus on what is permanent, on you and hope in you. Use these things that we have that are temporary to serve you, but focus on you first and foremost. Lord, we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. 
Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.